So, today we're carrying on our theme um, for the summer, the, the family service that we're having throughout August, and we're looking at different characters of the Bible. And last week, you'll remember that we looked at Joseph, and this week we're looking at David. Now, during the week, um, Ian and I sat down and we, we sort of, we, we'd planned what we were going to do. Um, and we had, um, similar to last week, where the two of us were going to muck around a bit and, and talk about David's life. Um, but obviously, I'm a man down. So I could either just give you one side of the story, which would be an interesting way of doing it, maybe get the other side next year, um, or I could have some volunteers. One side of the story it is then. <laughs> so, right, just think about whether or not you'd like to volunteer. I'll leave that with you. So, who can tell me what they know about David? What, what's the first thing we learn about David in the Bible? When, 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 do, we, when do we first see him? Shepherd boy? Yep. Anybody want to volunteer what, what happens in a sort of the, the first scene, the first time that David comes into our consciousness? Samuel. Yes. Okay. So the first significant event, um, I'm sorry, it's going to be a long morning, isn't it? <laughs> the first significant event that, that, we, that we see, um, where we see David... Um, is, when, is when Samuel, the priest of Israel, the leader of Israel, Samuel, identifies David as the future king. At that point, David is, is a no one, as far as the world is concerned. No one really knows who he is, knows anything about him. He's, he's not even well known in his own family. His father almost forgets about him. He's a shepherd boy. He's a very brave shepherd boy. We learn later on that, that he, um, he, he puts his own life before that of his sheep. Sheep were worth money. And uh, we know that he would, he would, he would hunt animals, uh, not hunt animals, when animals came to hunt his sheep, he would defend them. He would, he would, he would fight off um, mountain lions and wolves and things like pretty, pretty nasty animals. David was a man of courage. Now, as Ian and I were sitting there, Ian said, it's got to be David and Goliath, hasn't it, that we talk about this morning? It's, we've, got to, we've got to do David and Goliath. And I said, oh, it's the obvious one. He said, yeah, but it's a good one. I said, I know it's a good one, but I did it at South Green last year. He said, did you? I wasn't there. I said, yes, you were. Glad you remembered it. That's, <laughs> it's always good, isn't it? I, I reminded him, and he said, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, I vaguely, vaguely remember it. Yeah, right. But see, he said, we've got to do David and Goliath, because there's so much to learn from David and Goliath. So in David, the story of David and Goliath, we see David, this young shepherd boy. Now we know, we know he's got a big future. But apart from Samuel, no one else does. The Israelites and the Philistines are at war. Just a, a, a quick overview. The Israelites and the Philistines are at war, and... The Philistines have a champion, Goliath. He's nine, he's nine feet tall. He's, he's taller than, than anybody in this room. Even, I don't know if Big Nick's here today, but even Big Nick, he's bigger than him. He makes him look, look small. And Goliath calls out every day to the Israelites, send your champion, send one man to fight me face to face. We'll get this, this war done. One-to-one -one combat. And no one in the Israelite army, no one wants to take up that challenge. Because you wouldn't, would you? This guy's a monster. He's huge. He's a warrior. He's armed to the teeth. His weaponry is, is immense. And so the Israelites are scared. 
In the Israelite army are David's brothers, and one day David gets sent to the front line to, to get news, find out what's going on. This was before the days of, um, uh, of Google. And um, so David goes, he takes some food to his brothers. And he tries to find out some news. And he overhears a conversation reporting what Goliath is saying to the Israelites. And he thinks to himself, come on, I'm, I'm used to facing pretty scary creatures. I'm used to dealing with mountain lions, wrestling, wrestling my sheep out of their jaws, taking on a pack of wolves with nothing but a slingshot. What's the big deal? This is just a man. You see, David had incredible faith. He was a man of huge faith. And he put all of his, his courage down to God. Everything that, that he had um, in, a way, in a way of courage, bravery, whatever you want to call it, he says, that comes from God. Because my faith is in God, I trust God will protect me, and so I will defend my sheep because God defends me. In the same way, I'll take on this um, Philistine warrior because God's got me. The Israelites are God's people. The Philistines are the enemies of God's people. Therefore, they're the enemy of God. Therefore, this warrior who's saying, come and face me, what he's saying is, he's saying to God, come and face me. So David sees it like that. He sees this as all God needs is somebody brave enough to step forward. You see, David saw Goliath not as a problem to face alone, but as a problem to face with God. David saw Goliath as just another evil in the world that was going to oppose God and inevitably be defeated by God. So what can we learn from David in that particular scenario? What can we learn from him? Come on, you tell me. It was supposed to be a double act, but I've, I've, I've been left hanging. What can we learn from David just through, through our opening gambit about David and Goliath? What can we apply to our lives today? Trust in God. Yep. Someone else? Bravery. Bravery, yeah. We, should, yeah, we shouldn't, shouldn't shy away from things because our trust is in God. Anything else? Extraordinary faith. Yes. Absolutely. You see, as we, as we sit here this morning, each and every one of us has giants in our lives, gigantic problems. It might be at work, it might be at school, it might be in the family, it might be in friendship groups, it might be financial, it might be addiction, it could be anything. We all have giants of some sort. And the lesson we can take from David's approach to Goliath is not that we need to take a slingshot into work tomorrow and take out the boss, but it is that we can face every situation with, with strength, with confidence, with faith in God that, that come what may... God has got us. So even if we don't get the news that we're expecting, even if things don't go the way that we'd like them to go, our faith is that God has got them. Things go the way that God wants them to go if we honour him, if we live a life that honours him. So no matter how hard things seem, no matter how terrified we are as we, as we look at ourselves and say, how on earth? Can I take on this giant of a problem that is calling me out and threatening me? How can I do that? Well, the answer is, we can't. God can. And so if we take God with us onto whatever the battlefield is that we happen to find ourselves on, then 
that gigantic problem looks at us and doesn't see, doesn't see us. That giant itself is quaking in its boots because it sees God. So, that's how David saw the battle with Goliath. And of course, King Saul, he hears about David, um, David saying, I'll, I'll do it, I'll, I'll take him on. Saul hears about it and thinks, well, no one else is going to do it. And eventually Saul relents and says, yeah, okay, go for it. And the first thing Saul does is says, listen, I'm, I'm the king. Um, I've got the best armour, I've got the best weaponry. You're going to go and face this guy. The future of the Israelites depends on you. You have it. So Saul looks at David. He saw he had no armour, he saw he had no weaponry. The world looks at us. When we approach a problem with prayer or with scripture or simply with the words trusting God. They look at us and they think that's, a, that's the equivalent of a flimsy loincloth and a slingshot. That's no way to arm yourself. That's no way to, to prepare to face this giant of a problem that you've got in your life. You're mad. You're going to be defeated by this problem. In the same way, Saul looked at David and said, you've got no armour, wear mine. At least it will protect you for, from the first few blows. Take my weaponry. At least if you do get a lucky shot, you'll, you, might, you might be able to, to hurt him. But David says no. David says no, 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 because I've got God with me. God's taught me to use a slingshot. God's, that's, that's the armour that God's given me. That's the weaponry that God's given me. And so David doesn't conform to the ways of the world. In the book of Romans, Paul tells us not to conform to the ways of the world, but be renewed through Christ our Lord. So, the first lesson. Have faith in God. Always, always, always have faith in God. Take God with you. Imagine that whatever the situation is you're facing, you look over your shoulder and you see an endless giant, so big and so powerful, that however big the problem in front of you is, is minuscule in comparison. Because God is God. We spoke earlier about the creator God who flung stars into space, who created the world, who is in control of everything. If we truly believe that, then there is no problem too big for God. And the second question is, we conform to God, we don't conform to the world. As Christians, we should be Christ-like. And sometimes that means that we don't do what the world tells us to do. So David goes out and faces Goliath. He's got his slingshot. He's got this tremendous courage that comes from God. He takes his slingshot, he swirls it round his head, he releases a stone, the stone flies through the air, bang, catches Goliath through the eyes, between the eyes, and Goliath falls to the floor. Done him. One shot. That's all it took. David then runs over, lops off his head, and it all gets a bit gory. But you see, the courage that David showed on that day was all down to faith. We've already heard this morning about people who have nothing. We've heard about people who have lost loved ones. We've heard about situations which are still ongoing where we don't know what's going to happen. But we have to keep faith. That is the only thing that can get us through anything in the world. Keep faith. Keep strong. 
But it doesn't end there with David, because you see, and I'm going to need volunteers in about one minute's time, okay? So, if you're not quite sure yet, then give it some more thought, okay? Because David went on, um, he became, he was taken into Saul's court. He was a great harpist, he used to, that's, that's me playing the harp by the way, I'm not sort of holding a, a cat or anything. Um, uh, so David, David is in, is in Saul's court and David becomes quite influential. People like him. He can play the harp, he's, he's a good looking guy, he writes poetry, um, he, he gives Saul advice. On the battlefield, he is, he is immense. He's a great warrior, a leader of men. He shows this, this incredible courage. He's, he's, he's full of faith. And it gets to the point where Saul, the king, feels very, very threatened by David because David gets more and more and more popular through his exploits. So, does anybody feel called to volunteer this morning? Does anybody feel that maybe God's calling you to help out in the service? <laughs> Funny that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Sorry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Good. That's not embarrassing <laughs> yet. <laughs> so, okay. So listen, I'm sure you're all listening to that and paying attention. We've got King David, okay? Sorry, not king yet. We've got King Saul. He's the king of Israel. And King Saul, um, he's, he's, he's relatively popular. Most people like him. But David... David is a great warrior. He killed Goliath. He was seen as sort of the, as saving the Israelites. He's, he's a faithful man. He plays the harp. He writes poetry. He's got all these good things going for him. He was getting more and more and more and more popular. Until eventually, King Saul decided, right, enough's enough. David is too popular. David's after my crown. David wants to be king. And I'm king at the moment. And he's more popular than me. And so, if it, comes to, if it comes to a popularity contest, David is probably going to win it. How can I get rid of David? And so, do you know what Saul does? Saul makes it clear that he wants David dead. Not very nice, is it? No. But you see, Saul gets really angry with the fact that he's not very popular compared to David. And eventually David gets tipped off by, by Saul's son Jonathan and David runs, he, he flees. And so Saul can't find him, so Saul can't kill him. And so what happens is David and a few of his followers go into hiding. They, they're hiding out so that Saul can't catch them. And Saul gets very annoyed at this and he takes an army. And he goes off to try and hunt David down, to find David. And there's one scene, and we're about to act this out, there's one scene where we can learn an awful lot about David's character. So, who's feeling kingly? Who would like to be King Saul? You've not portrayed him very well. Who would like to be the king of Israel? 
all the power, you've got an army, you've got palaces, you've got wealth. No one. Sally, I was hoping you'd say that. Yes. You are you're you'd be a magnificent king. You're obviously much nicer than Saul, but you'll be a magnificent king. So, King Saul, would you mind stepping this way? Okay. And if you lot, if you can just stand over here and just watch what's going on. So, what happened? Saul was out hunting. Hunting David. And he didn't know where he was. And it was a hot day. He was getting more and more tired. <laughs> so, just... so, Saul has been out looking for David for a long time. And it's a hot day. What do you do on a hot day? You drink a lot. That's right. And if you drink a lot, what do you need to do? You can say it. Go to the toilet. How very polite, honestly. You, you might need to go to the toilet. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that is very, very good. Excellent. So King Saul obviously was, was, was a bloke. So, should I swap in with someone? Sorry? I could pick someone to swap in with. Yeah, would, would you like to? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Pick a soul. I think we're going Dave Lodge. Yeah, Excellent. We're going to Dave. Brilliant. Excellent. Still get, still get so, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Sally, 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 you can. Don't get out of it that easily. So, King Saul, you've been out all day, you're hunting David because. Frankly, you want him out of the picture. And you've been out on a hot day, you've been drinking a lot, and so you, quite rightly, you need to go to the toilet. <laughs> but being a king, you don't just go anywhere, because that's not a done thing. And so you, you see a cave, you check, you check it's a you know, clean cave, doesn't smell or anything. And so you, you oh, no, you don't open the door of a cave, do you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you... You walk into the cave, you find a corner, and you answer the call of nature. Not <laughs> so. <laughs> so here we have King. No, it's longer than that. <laughs> you, you haven't been since last night. So King Saul is in there, right? But. He happens to have gone into the cave, the very same cave that David is hiding in. David is hiding in there. Saul doesn't know he's there. David is hiding in the shadows and David has his sword. If David wants to be king of Israel, he's very popular. People love him. All he's got to do is get rid of King Saul. In a dark cave, no one would see. He could so easily do it and get away with it. You see, what David wanted... What David wanted... He wanted what was best for Israel. And he knew, he knew that, that King Saul would, had gone off the boil a bit. He knew that King Saul had started to make bad decisions, started following his own, his own will rather than God's will. 
David could so easily have taken Saul out while he was relieving himself in that cave. Now then, look at King Saul. While he's standing there, doing his own business, minding his own business. (laughs) Who reckons, who reckons that they can creep up and take something from him without being caught? Who can be really quiet? You reckon? Yeah? You sure? He'll be really angry if he catches you. You see, David was in a position where he he could have been tempted. Just like with the chocolate, David saw something that he could so easily have just taken. He could have taken the crown. He He could have become king of Israel in one very simple step. But instead, do you know what he did? He took out his sword. He snuck up behind Saul, avoiding the river that was now flowing. (laughs) And he snipped off the corner of Saul's cloak. And then he slunk back into the shadows. At that moment, Saul finished. (laughs) Made himself decent. Washed his hands. (laughs) With soap. There's a towel there. 
dried his hands, sprayed the air freshener, (laughs) and went away, having put the seat down. (laughs) And as he walked away, David said, Saul, I'm not after your, your crown. If I'd wanted your crown, I would have killed you. I came that close. I was so close. I I slipped the corner of your cloak with my sword. I could have put that sword through you and taken your crown. But I didn't. Is this enough proof that I don't want to kill you? That I'm not after your crown? You see, when I said to you, take something that you'd like, Everybody, quite rightly, went for the chocolate. I don't blame you. I might have gone for the wallet, but, but you went for the chocolate. But you see, you see, when we see something, we could just take. When it's there and we think, oh, this is, no one would know. I could do this so easily. I could, take, I could take what I want. It's really difficult to resist that temptation, isn't it? But David, David resisted that temptation. Okay, And so David was in a position where he could have taken something he wanted, but he knew it was wrong by God, and so he didn't. Okay, So, David resisted temptation. David resisted temptation. temptation. And we, as we live our lives, when we find ourselves in a position where we, we could take something but we know it's not the right thing to do, we can learn from David that we also should resist temptation. Excellent. Right, um, there should be enough for one more chocolate each. Please help yourselves. And thank you very much for volunteering. There we go. Now, of course, we talk about, we talk about all that, um, and that, that's, that's brilliant. There are very, very important lessons to learn from David, but what we must also remember is that David didn't always get it right, okay? You remember last week, Joseph with Potiphar's wife, he, 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 he had a temptation, a major temptation. Well, David had a similar temptation, and David didn't resist it. Instead, David, with a lady called Bathsheba, um, he decided that he'd quite like Bathsheba to be his wife. And so he sent Uriah, one of his closest friends, one of his best warriors, Bathsheba's husband. He sent him to the most dangerous part of the front line during a war, to a place where it was pretty much a death penalty to be sent. And he sent him there without many soldiers where Uriah met his end. He did that because he gave in to the temptation of wanting Bathsheba. And so, as much as we make David out to be this this great man, this incredible, faultless king, he wasn't faultless. He wasn't faultless. He was a great man. He did an awful lot of good things, and God used him greatly. We can learn so much from David's life, from David's character. He was brave, he was faithful. 
He was reliable. He was strong. He was noble. But he wasn't faultless. He made big mistakes in his life. So if you're sitting there today thinking, oh, I hate this, every week we, we look at this character and they're, they're, sort of, they're a Bible character, they do no wrong, they're, they're these great people. Actually, they do wrong. They're no better or worse than you and I. But the important thing is that God has given us his word so that we can read it, so that we can study it, so that we can see the lessons that other people have learned in their lives and that we, without having to make the same mistakes or go through the same trials, we can learn the lessons that they learned. David had such faith in God, but he always recognised that his courage came from God, his victory came from God. He was, he was repentant when he sinned against God. He wrote psalms, praising God, worshipping God, acknowledging that he got it wrong. David was a great king. He was used by God throughout his entire life. But you and I also, in God's eyes, we're great people. In God's eyes, we're people that he says, I want to use you. And it's up to us to respond to that call and recognise it. So, apologies that that was a, a slightly skewish, perhaps. It wasn't quite the double act it was supposed to be. It wasn't quite as, as we planned it to be. But hopefully we've learnt something about David's life. Hopefully we've learnt something about our lives. And hopefully we can take the lessons and apply them this week. So before we finish in a time of worship, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is a living word, not simply a collection of, of ancient stories, but a, a word which, which we can read today, which we can, we can see is, is relevant and powerful in the lives that we lead. And Father, we give thanks that we can read about people like David. We can see the way that he, he, encountered, he encountered the giant Goliath, and yet he knew that, that with you on his side, he was so much bigger than Goliath. We give thanks for the way that, that we can see that he treated Saul, when he could, have, he could have murdered Saul in that cave, taken the crown, but he knew, he knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. And so instead, he simply took the opportunity to, to cut the corner of the cloak to show Saul that his heart was good. Father, we give thanks for the, for the good lessons that we can learn from David. We give thanks, Lord, that, that they've been recorded. We give thanks also that his mistakes were recorded. And we pray, Father, that we can look at those, that we can see the, the mistakes he made, the consequences of those mistakes. And that if, by putting our faith in you, by focusing on you, we can avoid making the same mistakes in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm now going to ask the, ask the band to come back. And we're going to close this morning by singing... How great is our God?